Hello and welcome to another edition of the DP World Tour Picks and Bets. As you can see quite clearly, I am not Skylar Hope, but I am hosting this week and I am here every week. And I'm joined today by Ryan Barroff. Ryan, uh, you're back with us after, I think it was the Andalusia Masters at Balderrama. You were with us last time, so uh, welcome back. Yep, appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for having me and I'll do what I can to step in Sky's shoes for today. Yeah, we had a... We had what looked like it could have been a really exciting week last week. We had, uh, you know, a couple of really good chances to win. Uh, Paul Waring, Jens Dantor, uh, Sammy Valimaki, Ben Tario was there. Olison, Olison like, as well. Like they were just all there, right? And you know, you felt that pain. We felt that pain. Um, you know, I was pretty happy with the process, as I'm sure you were as well. And it's just one of those ones where sometimes it just doesn't go your way. I think Ramsey stepped up, you know, down the back nine and kind of showed his uh, winning experience and pedigree. And, and that's what you need sometimes on these golf courses. Yeah, I mean, I think it shows, obviously, we were very close. And if you weren't looking at, at prices at all, Ramsey's probably top of the list, right? He had the trend, the strokes gain trend, the recent finishes, form, everything like that. So not a huge surprise that he got it done. And uh, on to the next one. Yeah, and I think you make a really good point. Like, and it's something that I've kind of factored in a decent amount recently. Like, you can just be put off by a price, and really, you probably shouldn't. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I basically, I think I probably said on the show that like I can't bet Richie Ramsey at twenty two to one, given his age and kind of length of time it's been since he last won. But when you think of it, he's not actually that old. He's not even forty. Like, I listened back to mm-hmm. the kind of um, podcast I did with him last year, and he was kind of saying that he was actually ready to kind of retire at forty, which was something you don't normally hear out of golfers. But, um, you know, I think the the, the emotion that he showed and the celebration kind of suggested that there's been some frustration, there's been some injuries, but all in all, he's a guy that's used to winning and kind of plucked it out in the end. Yep, absolutely. And again, like maybe we're just overthinking it. If he's 28 instead of 22, do we bet it? I don't know. Maybe not. But that field was really weak and it was just perfect setup for him. Yeah, I think I probably would have... Anything with a three in front of it, I probably would have bet him and I probably should just see if I'd take 33, I should probably take 25, right? It's just exactly. it's one of the things you, you probably learn. But, you know, I think that rolls us in nicely to uh, this week with the Hero Open at Fairmont St. Andrews. It's a 7,230-yard linked course, uh, hosted the 2020 Scottish Championship and the 2021 Hero Open, Ryan. Um, how much do you focus on links pedigree, course history, and just general Scottish, I guess, you know, form because mm-hmm. it's, it's not an event that's been around for a long time. It's not an event that, you know, we're used to seeing strong players in. So I think there can be some variants as well. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, you just kind of have to make your manual adjustments. Like I'll go back through my same process as we've been doing for the last few months, all the stats, all the T to green. I'm always going to start with that group. Like I'm not going to randomly pick someone who's not playing well because they're from Scotland. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but as I go through this, right. You look back, and uh, I mean, last year you had Forrest Law, uh, Connor Sleen has done well here, Craig Howie has done well here. So I do think that element of of the Scottish players um, is there. We've seen it with the British players as well, uh, whether it be the Dunhill Links, whether it be the British Masters, they just they just play better. Ashley Chester's, Matt, uh, Matt Southgate, they just play better here. Um, so yes, you have to manually do it, but I'm not going to make any huge adjustments this week. No, I don't think so. I think it's one of those ones where we've just been kind of you know, talking about Richie Ramsey and, you know, whether you would take him at a price. And I think you've probably got to apply that sort of to the top of the board here as well. And, um, you know, that doesn't lead me to take Ryan Fox at 10 or 11 to 1. I think probably that uh, period of, of time is gone uh, for me. I don't know. Does Do you think in terms of like maybe DFS and stuff, do you think you'll be playing kind of Ryan Fox? Or do you think you can kind of leave out hope that the form disappears a bit? 
Uh, yeah, I, I I mean, I would say probably not because again, there are so many good players and like, we'll see where the pricing shakes out. But like, I think the, the high sevens, eights, even low nines is going to be stacked with all those guys that we bet this week that I'll probably just make a team like that. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, so that, you know, we just about Ryan Fox being the best in favorite 11, 10 to one, Richie Ramsey coming in off his win last week at best price I've got over here is 22 to one. That brings me to my selection, which is Adrian Otegi. And I've got to be honest, this is very much following that line of, I don't want to just not bet people because of the price. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Otegi's made 13 of 15 cuts in 2022. He's fourth in T to green uh, and 12th in approach last week. He's been top seven in both over the past eight weeks. Um, he won here on debut when it was a Scottish Championship and he finished 38th in his defence last year. Uh, well, I would say defence, obviously a different event, but on the same golf course. You know, he's yep. ninth after round one, still inside the top 25 after round two. Like He's just a golfer that's playing very, very well who's shown that kind of form on these golf courses. And, you know, he's had his little flirt with Liv and, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's come away from that. But I don't know if this is one of those ones where, like, you have to factor, you know, most you, know, you said about manual adjustments. Like, he's been finishing well in stronger fields and you kind mm-hmm. of got to factor that in as well. So I think if you look back at the fact he was second at the ISPS Hander, fifth in Qatar, like, they're probably both better events. Razal Klima probably a little bit similar to what they got this week, the third. Um, has been a little bit underwhelming, I guess, in recent weeks. You know, the 29th last week was average and the 42nd that Scott Chopin when it was a better field kind of shows he's maybe not at the best but mm-hmm. you know the 18th for the Porsche and 15th for Sadal were, were comforting enough for me to believe that I can go back to someone that's played well at this course yeah for sure I think he should be every bit the favorite kind of with these other guys um obviously the fact that he's won here helps he kind of went through that hump like what you said you know back in Spain a few months ago kind of played well and I kept betting him then and he didn't get there. Um, but of the guys who are in this field, I have him fourth tee to green last week and fourth tee to green at the Scottish. So both of his last two starts against these players, he's been great. Um, he just needs to make some putts. That's that's really about it. He's going to hit a lot of fairways. He's going to be fine with the irons. He even chips okay. Just got to make some putts. Yeah, and I think, you know, when it comes to a little bit of variance like that, that, you know, it, it's pretty good, right? Like, Mm-hmm. On a course where you've seen him do it in the past, links can get funky at times as well. Um, there could be potential weather splits and things that we don't know about at this time, but you know we'll see how those come. But the next kind of person up in the betting that you're interested in was Callum Shinkwin. I've got to be honest, he was a guy that really came up on my radar in terms of the ball striking. And when Callum Shinkwin's mm-hmm. doing that, you do have to kind of take notice, I think. Yeah, again, like I think he's the perfect type of player who you make an adjustment for on on these sort of links courses um, and really played better than he finished last week. Had that uh, one bad round um, on Saturday where I, I don't think he made a birdie, did he? <laughs> he yeah, like that, he did. He was terrible, yeah. Uh, I guess he was due for them for some regression because he made a bunch of eagles like early in the week. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's an awesome ball striker. He hits it a mile. He loves links. He scores. Um, he played well here uh, back in 2021. His his stroke scan to green has really just been awesome for the last six, seven, eight events, uh, making a lot of cuts. So um, I wasn't going to bet him because I saw, I think I saw 25 at the open and then I got a 40. So it'll be 40. Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, 24 for the Irish Open, you know, you've got to factor in a decent strength of field there. 16, like you said last week, where he just had that one bad round and you're right, mm-hmm. three bogeys to, you know, whatever, 15 pars, like that's not going to get it done on a course like that. But it also nope. shows that there was nothing horrendous uh, and nothing to really worry about. And it's really weird with uh, Callum Shinkman. We kind of, or I at least kind of thought that he'd kick on from that Cyprus Open win. Like, I think he's a player that really struggled 
uh, yeah. to really break through. You know, we had a second place finish at the Scottish Open uh, when he lost in the playoff to Rafa Cabrera-Bello, who shot a 64 to even get in that playoff, right? So I think he was slightly unlucky not to get his first win there. Um, you know, we've seen it in the Kazoo Open, another time in the Scottish Open as well. So generally speaking, like you say, Dunhill Links 10th, he is a guy that just plays his part of the world well. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, it, like you say, he's in good form. So that 40, even at the 33, I think he's a good number. I think it's just one of those ones where you probably don't want too many at the top in an event like this and you just got to kind of make your pick. So I kind of went exactly. with Tegi and, you know, you went with Shrinkin. I think between the two of us, I think we'll probably have someone <laughs> contending there on Sunday. For sure. Um, you've gone back to the well with someone that I was on last week and I think you were on as well with Paul Waring. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, it's always been with me like... It's really you don't expect Paul Waring to be this guy that's revolutionised off the tee game at the age that he is, and you know the, the stage of his career that he's in. But that is exactly what he's done. And did you see? I mean, I just thought he was pretty impressive on the on the final round. Like I know he had those bogeys on for, you know one and ten, like it's kind of ruined. Yeah. But I think when it came up to it, the way he played the final couple of holes was really impressive. And you know he probably had a chance to make that eagle putt on seventeen and. You know, he had a birdie look on 18 as well. So he wasn't unlucky. I think Ramsey won it, but like, I think he played well enough to, to give you confidence. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, I was late to wearing by a week, obviously, and we may have reached the point where he just peaked and it's going to fall off. It's very possible. Um, I got an 80 this morning. So it was just, it was a number that you couldn't pass up, right? Like that's, that's just huge. Um, but yeah, I mean, like what you said, it was a great week last week, but it's, it's been brewing. Like at the Sudal, he was good, made the cut. It was really good tee to green. At the Volvo, kind of same thing. Um, I think he missed at the Irish, but the ball striking was still really good, right? And then the ball yeah. striking was great. Opened with a 63, obviously made a lot of putts last week. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and go back there one more time. And he's done well here as well. So, Yeah, and I, ju- I just think he's just the type of guy that, you know, you can rely on. It's, it's weird because... I say that, and then every time I go to bet him after a good week, he has a bad week. But, you know, he had that 25th place finish uh, in the yeah. Scottish Championship on debut. Um, he was actually fifth at the 36-hole stage, 10th after the 54-hole stage, and just kind of slipped over the weekend. But, you know, I, I don't I don't necessarily mind that. Like, I, I think he's a volatile player by nature. Uh, when you look at where he's done his best stuff, Nordea Masters is a pretty wide-open layout. Dunhill Links, he was third, second last week. Like, Yeah, but you out. want spike weeks, right? Like, I do love, like, I love the consistency of of uh, Ramsey, which we saw, and it obviously went to a win, but for these sort of guys at, at you know, 80 to one, 100 to one, it's, it's a spike week. And he has had a spike week before he had a couple this year and try and get one more. Yep. Oh, I like that. Absolutely. I think it's one of those ones where, you know, you just, you just take it and hope that he car- carries on. So yep. um, it was Garrick Porteous next up for me at um, 50 to one. I think, you know, we, we were speaking before we came on, he's someone that you're into as well. Um, mm-hmm. 16th last week he was second after round one and for some reason he kind of flashed up to me last week I never actually went there I didn't really have the faith in Garrick Porteous that you know for some reason I've placed in this week but you know when you look at how he did it last week like it was it was pretty impressive and I think he can carry that on the place where he's actually played well before yeah I, I, I think he had a run quite like this last year right where it's a bunch of top 20 top 30s but the ball striking was just great um like even the the bunch of cuts that he's missed uh recently his stroke scan tita green's been fine um he was really good here like what you said last year uh awesome last week in terms of kind of ball striking stroke scan tita green played well at the bmw also um and yeah again if the price is right i think he's a great fit here 
Yeah, and you know, like his fourth and tenth place finishes here are his second and sixth best finishes ever, according to OWGR. And yeah, you know, when you see that, like I don't I've tried to stay away from course form in recent months just because I got too caught up in it, but like that stands out to me, and especially coming off a hot week, and like you say, second in T's green last week, 16th yeah. in approach, and he had two top six rounds with his irons last week as well. So although it wasn't consistently great with his irons all week, like there was two really big flashes, and I think if you know him get off to a good start with those again. Uh, yep. I think we're looking good as well. So um, next up for you is another Darius Van Drill, who, again, like we've just been seeing flashes of him mm-hmm. pretty consistently. Like, And he he's definitely one of those spike week candidates, I think. Yeah, and I, I think we've seen it before, right? Um, it's someone who unlikely to win, but he can win. Um, and really kind of this whole stretch that we've been looking at since Spain, right? Like right after the Masters. He's just been making a lot of cuts. Ball striking has been good. His last three have been really good. Um, he dropped off a touch last week. And so, again, maybe he's a plateau candidate as well. Uh, but, again, I got 100 to 1. It's a number that I couldn't pass up. And I think uh, just a very consistent ball striker and a guy who can play well on on kind of this style of golf course as well. Yeah, and just like you, you look at it and the fact that he's he's won twice on the Challenge Tour. He's won on the Outsour. He's been second twice on the DP World Tour. Like, it's come in you would think um mm. and that's you know you can rely on him in a ball striking uh standpoint recently 10th of the bmw international i think was you know pretty good off the back of that third place finish uh at the volvo as well probably fourth by the time you put lean grant in there because owgr don't acknowledge that but um <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's um it's just the way that like you know he shot 67 64 at that bmw open in the middle and just had that kind of mm-hmm. not bad final day it was like a 72 and i think the scoring was actually pretty tough there so um, I think just the way that he can flash those low rounds, definitely like even like a first round leader candidate as well. I think he's a, a good player for that. Yeah, no, for sure. In that um, a BMW of the guys here in the field, I have him fourth to green. So he was definitely good there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like it. I think I think he's one of those guys that like, it's weird. Like you think you can trust them. And mm-hmm. and that sounds weird for someone like Darius Van Drill, but I think in the in the limited field that we've got here um, and the way that he's playing, I think he is a candidate for that. So um <laughs> this this guy that's coming up for me now is someone that is the bane of my life. Uh, I think it was was it our show with Valderrama where he played really well for two rounds and then got going. James Morrison, I can't, I can't remember who it was there, but I bet him before uh, and and he shot an opening round sixty or sixty one, and I thought that yeah. was it for us. Um, but he he fell off, but. You know, James Morrison, he's finished 13th at uh, the Irish Open among his run of like four straight made cuts. Uh, he was 20th in the strokes play scoring at the Barracuda and he now returns to Fairmont where he was 30th on debut and second last year. And he climbed every day last year, which I really liked. And, you know, you can't really say it was steady when he, you know, finishes with a 63, but it was just, you know, he built up mm-hmm. to that and it looked like that was the kind of thing that you can do. And I think James Morrison has been around long enough now that we know he struggles to win, uh, but we know he gets himself into contention a lot and we know that he can keep it hot. And I think that, you know, even like when he was 60th at the International Open, he showed some bits there as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think those those run of four events that he's had right now. And even before that, like, it was kind of miscuts at the Stow and the Dutch, but he was actually 33rd in Catalonia, 27th for the British Masters. Like, he's playing well where you expect him to. And even going right back to the start of the year, 6th at Abu Dhabi, like, he's yeah. been in good form for a decent amount of time. Yeah, for sure. Lots of good tee to green weeks, like what you said. Um, and uh, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. He finished uh, 26th at the Barracuda, where a lot of those Euro guys were. A lot of those guys are coming over uh, back here. And I think that really gives them a lot of confidence, right? I mean, all those guys that we talked about near the top with Kofsted and 
uh, Marcus Hellingkill and uh, Long. I think they're all yeah. great plays, and they're going to take a lot of confidence from that, um, as will James Morrison. He, um, yeah, I mean, he played well at the Irish. He played well at the Scottish. Just seems to be right on that that sort of upward trend. So I am with you on James Morrison. Yeah, James Morrison shot 60 at um, the, the European Masters, not Valderrama, which would have been absolutely ridiculous. But he was actually fourth <laughs> at Valderrama as well. So um, uh, he tends to do this. He tends to perform at the same kind of courses all the time as well, which I like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm happy to see what James Morrison does. And I think this is kind of the range, right, Ryan? Like, you know, yeah. we, we spoke about the, you, the guys you just said that they're returning from America. I chucked Marcel Schneider in there as well. Like, just playing some, you know, really good stuff. And, at this top of the market, like people that we've skipped over, like you've got Romain Langasque that's been in good form for a good period of time. You've got Oliver Becker in good, you know, form for a good period of time. But like they're not guys that I'm going to bet at 25 and 22 to 1s. I'd rather get double the odds of these guys that we're talking about. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think just backing the upside of them, I think there's there's plenty to see. Yeah, I think, again, there's just guys that, I mean, I could do Campillo. I could do Rosner. I could do Nemitz. Like all those, I'm just not going to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's tough, isn't it? I think it is one of those weeks where, like, I never struggled to find a bet. I did struggle to whittle it down. Um, mm-hmm. And then eventually, like I said to you earlier, I just had to shut down the laptop because I was starting to get some, some really yeah. horrible uh, names. But uh, coming back to the, the Scottish angle then, we've got David Law, who for a decent period of time looks like a player that's going to break through. Um, mm-hmm. He does it in different ways, but generally can be sort of short game driven. Um, but he was fourth at the Irish Open, which again, when we talk about the, the strength of the field, they're really, really good. 47 for the Scottish is is not bad considering the kind of pressure that he'd be playing there. And, you know, he didn't do a lot of the Open Championship, but 72nd, you know, mm-hmm. making a cut that a lot of better guys didn't. He actually had two rounds of 69 there as well. So there's actually just a 77 on Saturday that really put sword to a better finish for him. Uh, yeah, again, I think a lot of confidence. This is obviously, was probably a very important summer for him. He got into the Scottish Open and played really well and made the cut. He got into the Open Championship and played pretty well and made the cut. Um, he obviously almost won here last year. And um, yeah, just has that that perfect upward trajectory that I'm looking for. Um, he certainly missed a couple of cuts this spring, but almost every week, his tee to green has been great. Um, and again, he's certainly going to get the bump up from the Scottish angle. So uh, yeah, big fan of law this week. I think what I like about him as well is that like, where some people can kind of shy away from playing at home. Like, again, he's a little bit like Robert McIntyre that seems to step up to playing in his home events. You know, he won the Scottish Hydra on the Challenge Tour. Yep. Um, like you say, he had a chance to win here last year and finished fourth. Um, and like you say, like that Scottish Open, the way he played, like, although he's only finished 35th and 47th in the Scottish Opens in the past, like he needed to play well in those events, like to earn a lot of points. He, you know, he struggled to even get in it this year and, and stepped up when he needed to. So all good signs. Yeah, and I mean, even the the event that he won down in Australia, right? That's yeah. that's Lynx open, kind of windy type of thing, um, as well as like what you said, he won in Scotland on, on the Chandler store. So. Yeah, and I think like the way he won that Vic Open as well was like he shot a final around 66. And yep. I know that you could probably argue that the, the chasing pack are not the strongest, but, you know, it, you know, Brad Kennedy, Wade Ormsby and Jason Scribner are all Australians. You had Justin Harding, who is a you yeah. know, decent player as well. And when you actually look at that list, like you talk about the players that, We've kind of mentioned already. Callum Shinkman was in tied tenth. Ashley mm-hmm. Chester's is someone that we, you know, we probably end up talking about at some point. Finished twelfth. Grant Forrest twenty second. Like, you do seem to get those kind of crossovers between uh, Scottish and Australian events. So, uh, yeah, maybe maybe something else there to add to the list for David Law. It, I wouldn't say it was a factor in deciding on him. And I don't think necessarily you thought that, but like mm-hmm. it is a bonus. I think. Yeah. No. For sure. Absolutely. Then I came to another enigma in uh, Eddie Pepperell, who 
every time I will warn everyone with this, that every time I go with Eddie Pepper, I seem to miss the good weeks. Um, it, I try, I struggle to get him right, but 14th of the Dutch Open, 11th last week, uh, a book ending three missed cuts, but he was 15th for the ISPS hander in Spain. We know he's a guy that kind of plays well in the British Isles. He's won the British Masters, second for Scottish Open, one in Qatar where there's wind. You know, even like the best finish ever, like the players, like he plays well in these kind of random spike weeks, like you say, and fourth at Scottish Open in 2015. Like he's done his best stuff in either Scotland or England. And when I looked at it, like I actually just looked at the location form on like uh, tour tips. And over the last 15 starts in Scotland, he's top three in this field. And the only two people above him have played like one or two events. They don't really count. Um, He's made 12 starts in that time, four top tens, three top 17s. Um, and he was 16th in the Scottish Open when it was here and uh, Scottish Championship sorry, when he was here and he was fifth after 54 holes as well so really like what we the basic like line of, of what Pepperell has been doing uh, in these sort of events and then you add in the fact that he was 8th in tee screen last week I think that's uh, a really good sign yeah and really I mean he's been doing it since Spain again I mean yeah. all those weeks I think there was a miscut in there but uh, he's basically making every cut and gaining tee to green we know he's a great links player um, he's a a big form player for sure. He needs to take confidence with him. There's no doubt about that. Um, and honestly, if like we're talking about all these guys, if you made me pick one bet this week, it would be him at 66 with the each way places. He is yeah, my now, favorite bet of the week. And I think I think what I like about Eddie Pepper is that like we just know he can win. Like he's done it mm-hmm. twice in one year. Um, he can he can ride hot form. Like 2018 was when he had three of his best four finishes. Uh, on tour and was actually sixth in the Open Championship as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't think he's in the 2018 form that he was in, but the, the ball striking certainly last week, uh, third of his irons as well. Like, there's definite signs. And I wonder if, Ryan, I don't know if you ever factor anything like this in, but like, he's been interviewed a lot recently about the live stuff. And like, one of his best friends is Laurie Cantor, and he's yep. basically been digging them out, uh, you know, left, right and centre saying about, you know, that he's not, he's not angry, but he's disappointed type of speech. Um and I just wonder if that's a bit of motivation for him to kind of pick himself up and play a bit of better golf as well. Hard to quantify, but... I, I think, think, yeah, I mean, I think so. I think um, he's just, it doesn't matter how you feel about it. He's seeing his friends get opportunities. Um, and I think he also recognizes now that there's more opportunity for him. Yeah. He could get hot and make a Ryder Cup team. Like, a lot of guys are not going to be there, right? He could get hot and make a Ryder Cup team. Um, he could earn a PJ Tour card, right? There's a lot of things that he can play for now. Yeah, I think I think that's a really good point. That like maybe a lot of these players probably haven't thought as much as you have about it. Like they're just they're just mm-hmm. so in the bubble, right? That they need to probably screw their heads on and realize that. And maybe things change by the time that, that selection comes around. But mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely something worth considering. In this range, before we sort of move on to kind of our deeper picks, I, I did look at uh, Brandon Stone, who's who's won in Scotland yep. before. I think he's been playing some good stuff. Ewan Ferguson, obviously that Scottish angle and tee screen stuff has been pretty good, even when he's been missing cuts. So, they were two guys that I thought were worth looking at and maybe worth playing in DFS, but couldn't really get there in bets. No, yeah. Like, I think there's a few there that I look at. I like a guy like Brandon Stone, who, who certainly has the upside for a win. Um, he he was on the short list. Um, I think Scott Jamison, kind of an interesting name here too, if you are going to weigh the Scottish angle. And then Andy Sullivan, who, who played well last week. He's been very up and down, but he's had a couple of spike weeks in terms of his uh, putting and... He can win, right? So I think he's an interesting one this week too. Yeah, Andy Sullivan is one of those ones where like I was really I was really worried about him like late last year. I can't remember what event it was that he played poorly at that he nearly always <laughs> plays well at, but like he he was just in dire straits, wasn't he? Um Scott James yeah. is an interesting one because 
he played that PJ Tour stuff. We'll come back to to Sullivan, but mm-hmm. like we've got Jameson. He um, finished fifty fourth at the Barbasol, twenty second at the Barracuda, um, which is you know not necessarily that surprising. He's got a base in Florida. I think it's something we kind of talk about when we talk about Scott Jameson, but he still yeah. has that kind of European Tour uh, Scottish links pedigree that you like to see as well. And at the start of the season, he he certainly looked like the player that was going to break through and get a win that matches that whatever it was. I think it was a 36-hole victory that he got in the Nelson Mandela Championship all those years ago. Yeah, for sure. And I think, again, he's someone who I think is ready to win and he can win and will probably take a lot of confidence from uh, making both those cuts in the States. Yeah. Coming back to that Andy Sullivan point that you were going to make before I uh, rudely cut you off there. Yeah. I mean, I just think with Andy Sullivan, like, I don't like to chase a hot putter, but he has had a couple of starts recently where the tee to green was there. He missed yeah. the cut at the Scottish open but the ball striking was a lot better um he missed the cut at the dutch but he was basically at the top strokes getting two degrees for the first couple of rounds and so if he's able to do that and he's able to putt well and just get it together um i think he's an interesting dark throw this week yeah and i think it's one of those things that like you you, you talk about people with high upside and, and whether they can win like it's really helpful that he bats that he had that three win season in 2015 mm-hmm. which is obviously like a complete spike and an anomaly but like the fact he then came back in 2020 and won during uh, that COVID sort of season. Yeah, year. that's what I mean. Like, it's Andy Sullivan or Sean Proctor, right? Who's yeah. got a better chance to win for 50 to 1? It's going to be Andy Sullivan, who's done yeah. it, and not Sean Proctor, who's probably the worst putter in the world right now. And we probably put Justin Walters in that same sort of category of guys that, you know, have been very consistent, but yeah. just don't seem to get over the line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, all right. Am I up with Connor Seam now? Is this the last yeah, let's go, let's go for that. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, the... I did not want to bet him. Uh, I was actually surprised that he popped up when I was kind of going through some stuff. And then I was uh, even more surprised that he was around for 100 to 1. Um, I think with the places, he is just a great candidate, right? He played uh, well here back in 2020. Um, I don't think he finished that well, but um, he made the cut. He His most recent best starts, right, were at the British and the Scottish. Not really a big surprise there. He's played well in, in Wales also. Obviously been very close to winning, hasn't done it yet. I think nothing would mean more to him than doing it here. Um, his stroke game Tita Green, uh, of the guys here who played the Scottish, who made the cut, he was first. Uh, so I found that really interesting in terms of that kind of upward trend on these sort of linksy golf courses. And for 101, you really you need a lot less than that. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I think as well, like I, I always, I mean, it's a dangerous game to play. And for some reason, I keep playing it, but like I tend to throw out like, a player like this is worse one round at like the uh, Scottish Open. He shot a Saturday 74 when he got off to a pretty start with a 70 and 69, close of a 70 as well. Like, yep. you know, you, you suddenly take four of those away and, and, you know, he's inside the top 16. And I know you can't just do that. You can't just give them four shots that they definitely lost. But to me, like, it just shows that he wasn't that far away from it. He hasn't played since then. That was like mm-hmm. one of his better finishes over the last what, five or six events. So, if that's the kind of level that he was playing at, what what is a forty second in the Scottish Open compared to this event for a start? And then you give that yeah. one bad round. I think well, it's a good start. and I think it's 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 interesting. You know, when you look at form and trends, and a lot of guys, you know, need to come in after a good week. Um, his third at the British, it was off of miscut, miscut, and at the Scottish, it was off of miscut, miscut. So he is the type of guy who, when he gets on a traditional windy links golf course, he just feels good and doesn't really matter what the form is. It helps that. He's had a couple of good starts, but I just think it's a perfect spot for him. Yeah, and I think, you know, it things change so quickly in golf, but like 2020 during that COVID season, like he was, you know, prime candidate to win, right? It looked like it was going to happen on any given week. Like he was 10th in the mom, 4th in Austrian. 
and three straight top eight finishes. I think he probably should have won uh, one of those in the end, but like, it, it, it's, it's tough to say people should win one. Like, it, you know, it's, he'd only just won the Challenge Tour the year before. Um, he'd already had a second at the Shot Clock Masters two years before that. Like, it's hard to just say he should have won one. Like, you're, it, it, yeah, you're bringing up scar tissue there where he, he, he topped that iron on, on 18, and then <laughs> I had Soderberg who made triple on the last. <laughs> That's uh yeah. Let's not recount yeah. memories like that. Otherwise, yeah, you end up uh, checking yourselves back into uh, into mm. asylums after those kind of things. I mean, I'm still yeah. kind of recovering from last week. Like you know, to have three or four guys inside the top ten and mm-hmm. and not uh, not get any out of it in terms of winning equity was was pretty annoying. But uh, before we kind of move on to to some longer shots, just want to sort of reiterate that if you listen to us in audio format. Check us out on Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets The Mix, uh, which you can find on all of our podcast platforms as well. So if you don't want to look at mine and Ryan's face for any reason, um, <laughs> I would be highly offended, but you can go and listen to us. So um, that brings me on to Chase Hannah, Ryan, who this is just a gut feeling that for some reason Chase Hannah can just spike. You know, he was sixth here on debut last year and he does just flash at any point and it never seems to be the easiest to predict uh, in terms of and I'm not looking at him. I didn't even look at his ball striking numbers um, because they're just, you know, they could be great. They could be poor. Um, I don't think it really matters. I think it just when he feels comfortable, um, he can go well. And the upside is he, he finishes inside the top five. Like we saw it at the, the British Masters. He was sixth. We saw it at Stadale, He was fourth. He was second at the Qatar Masters. I think the Qatar and British Masters uh, are both kind of good signs for this. Mm-hmm. He then went back over to... Uh, so back over, he went to the PJ Tour events uh, that were co-sanctioned and and didn't do a lot. He finished sixth year for the Barbasar, missed the cut of the Barracuda, and I think he was one of those guys that I was kind of thinking he could be a good candidate just because he was American. He was kind of going home, maybe feels comfortable. But yep. at the same point of that, like, I wonder if he's the type of person that puts too much pressure on himself because that's where he ultimately wants to be, and those two starts could have changed, you know, everything. So I think now he's back to familiar territory, playing in a course that he's played well before. Um, Chase Hanna at triple digits always seems to catch the eye. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, he can make birdies. Uh, there's no doubt about that. I know, um, with, I don't know if it was the Brit, what I think it was both the British and the Sudal. He was really close in terms of T to green. I mean, uh, both top 10s so obviously was playing well, so he can do it. Um, I don't know what happened the last month or so. Uh, maybe he was hurt. Who knows? But yeah, if you're looking at, you know, a spike week candidate, I think he's a perfect type of guy. Yeah, and like it, it would be no surprise to me if he misses a cut by eight or contends. Like there, there yeah. is just there is very little in between with Chase Hanna, and I kind of like that though. That it means mm. that you get these kind of hundreds one prices. You're not betting them at thirty three to one and trying to chase it. Like that can happen. Yeah. Um, you talked about guys and just adding people on at the end in, in terms mm-hmm. of triple digits and things like that. Was there? Is there anyone in this triple digit range that like if they win you're going to be absolutely devastated, or is it just one of those ones where like they just didn't quite do enough? Yeah, I mean, I would say probably not. Like, uh, there are a few guys in here. It's just a matter of kind of weighing the winning upside versus, okay, they're playing well right now and they can crack a top 10, maybe get a place and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think Matt Baldwin is a very interesting one. Um, he's, again, a very old guy in terms of how long he's been out here doing this, but he's won multiple times on on the Challenge Tour, played well here, definitely gets that sort of links bump. And there were guys, I believe, talking about him last week. So it's like he's been on the radar a little bit. He's a very interesting one. Um, and then just kind of one more for the Scottish angle, Craig Howie. Um, I don't know if the winning upside is there. He has won a Challenge Tour event. 
against a lot of these guys. So it's possible, but I think I would be frustrated if, if uh, one of those two guys got it done this week. Yeah, I think especially with Baldwin, like um, Brad was on him on our podcast last week, and he's he's just a guy that when he plays in this part of the world, you you kind of give him a second look, I think, because he is very much a, a home player. He doesn't necessarily go and, and perform well everywhere else, but and I say home, he's obviously not Scottish, but yeah. you know it's it's, it's familiar uh, surroundings, and you know he's ninth here on debut. He plays links golf well, um, and that, that's two candidates that you know you want to see already, and. He, he shot the ball okay last week. Like he was thirty seventh mm-hmm. with his irons. He was seventeenth to his green, which is which is nice. So I like both of those things. Yeah, like I would expect Howie to finish, you know, between twenty fifth and fortieth this week, right? So not worth a bet. But if you need a lower pick for DraftKings to round out your team, I think he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, again, like another guy that if you look like fifth at the UK Championship last year, twelfth at Qatar Masters, nice and open, and you know the the wind affected options there and. Like I say, just 29th at the Kazoo last week, 14th at the Volvo, 30th at the Handa, mm. like 12th in guitar again. Like, actually, he's probably just a prime candidate for like a top 40 bet if that's something that you like doing. Um, he's definitely someone that you can probably rely on at a cheap price uh, in DFS as well. So do like those. Um, I think they're, they're good uh, things there. I did look at Alvaro Quiros, which is <laughs> horrendous. Uh, he was 16th here last year. Uh, he had two rounds of six, uh, 66 and a 69, but was just offset by a... 73. When you look at his last three starts in um, Scotland, 18th, 16th, and 27th, like he just seems to play his part of the world well. We know he's played well at Dunhill Links in the past. We know he's won wind affected things. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if Quiros was just one of those guys that was there for 36 holes and everyone mm-hmm. gets really excited because he's a guy that's won so many times on tour and the commentary team get way too carried away and say that Quiros is coming back and he then just dips away on Sunday. But, you know, it's just someone to look at. Yeah, I mean, if if uh, it works, he's got an early tee time, maybe first round leader type of thing for him. Um, yeah, because there really is no rhyme or reason where he plays well. Like you want the exposed, windy, off the tee stuff, but then you know he'll go low at Valderrama. You just you just don't know. <laughs> no, he's a very difficult player to predict, and he's not yeah. someone that I'm going to try and predict too often. Um, you did mention Angel Hidalgo to me, yeah. or Angel Hidalgo to me earlier on mm-hmm. in the. Uh, I think off air actually, but you know, I think that's a guy that's someone that we can look at who seems to be a bit of an improver and he's, he's not that old either. So I think there's mm-hmm. definitely some room for improvement. Yeah. Again, like I was, he caught my attention last week with the Tita green game, of course. Um, but I went back and looked right. And he uh, made the cut in Spain. Uh, it was really good Tita green there. He made the cut at the Sudal. It was really good Tita green there. And he's won on the challenge tour last year, right? Against again, a lot of the guys who are here. So he can do it for 110 to one. Will he do it? I don't know, but um, his last three starts have been really good. Actually, if you, if you look at kind of justice, if you isolate justice DP World Tour starts, they're actually pretty impressive. Like he was fifth at the Joburg Open, which finished prematurely. He was tenth at the Pied Data, seventeenth mm-hmm. at the Kenya Open, missed a cut on guitar, which is not a great surprise. But then thirtieth in in Spain, like you said, fifty fifth in Catalonia the week after, fifteenth at the Sadal. Did miss the cut of the Dutch and has been doing such open, but again, eighth last week. Like it seems to be that actually when he steps up and has the opportunity, he does take it. And mm-hmm. you know, so he's he's won on the challenge tour, like you said, he's won twice on the outs tour in the same year. So it feels like he's actually just on that big upward trajectory. And that's probably a good sign for people that 110 to one as opposed to the 
you know, Lucas Bjerregaards and uh, and the people <laughs> like that that you're trying to chase that he's going to channel something from old or tap Yeah, in. no, I mean, you certainly never know. And again, winning breeds winning, right? Like you talk about, I guess a guy like Matt Wallace, right? Who came up really quickly and he was winning and it was very clear that he was a step above the rest um, for challenge for this year. You know, Marcus Hellingkild, he won a bunch. Like, I think it matters. So uh, yeah, I definitely have have some interest in him, but maybe just top 20 or something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think it's one of those ones where maybe not yet ready to win, but no reason to think that he can't. Like he's obviously, like you said, had that recent experience and hasn't mm-hmm. got any scar tissue yet. Is something I like. Like he's 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 getting up there inside the top ten, top fifteen without actually throwing things away, which is good. Absolutely. Um, the other one candidate I keep trying to go to, and I know Sky likes him as well, is Gavin Green. Um, he was third in the Saudi in twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's won before in Asia. Um, he's had a couple of second place finishes on tour and when you look at where he's done well Irish Open ninth, British Masters ninth, uh, Qatar 5th mm-hmm. like, it's all the kind of things that you want to see Cyprus Showdown was a pretty decently open track like again he's someone a little bit like Quiros he does seem to play well on these side tracks and you don't expect it but yeah like 26th last week I'm pretty sure he struck the ball well if I just bring up the numbers yes. um, he, probably, he was 34th tee to green last week and mm-hmm. he was second in approach. So he was pretty just, good, Tita Green, in Spain and at the British Open. I think he gained as well. So, like, and there's been a couple of weeks, and he can have a spike putting week. Obviously, yeah. we've seen that happen before. So, very interesting name there, definitely. Yeah, I think if I was going to add on anyone to my betting card, it would probably be Gavin Green, and that is something that I will look at doing later on in the week. As much as I probably shouldn't just keep tinkering with it and just finding more reasons. I'm going to have to eight. Lose. I'm going to have eight guys. Like, there's no doubt. Like, it's just it's just going to be that week, and uh, hopefully, I get a couple places in there, and and it's a good week. The worst ones, the Rocky Mortgage, is, is basically exactly the same on the PJ Tour. There's plenty of guys that want to bet there as well. So um, we'll, we'll kind of have to just kind of restrict myself at some point. But um, any further thoughts on on this event before we kind of sign off here and run up our card? No, but you just kind of reminded me one kind of quick thing that I'll give because my first two long shots there were also um, uh, English guys, uh, Callum Tarrant and Matt Wallace. So uh, let's just go all, all Euro this week. Uh, lots of wedge play. Lots of birdies, and uh, but no, that's a it's just such a boring event and a boring course. Like the field is better, but it's like the most mundane, boring, average, neutral course. Uh, I just don't enjoy that event at all. Yeah, I think, I think actually the, the three of open felt like that. The course is actually pretty decent. Like you, you see, yeah, at least there's water, and guys are yeah. making tens. Like you're not going to be any tens this week. Yeah, like the QAnon Scott Piercy blowout yesterday was was pretty uh, exciting. So yeah. uh, you know that that was certainly uh, something that you get to see. But I think. In terms of golf courses, this is going to be the more interesting one to see. Uh, mm-hmm. St. Andrews is obviously not St. Andrews, but it's, you know, nice to see a uh, place on the Scottish links there. So yeah. something to look forward to. So I'm going to round up my uh, betting card here with Adrian Otegi at 21 to 1, uh, Eddie Pepperell at 50 to 1, Garrett Porteous and James Morrison at 60 to 1, Chase Hanna at 110 to 1. And I don't know what to do with uh, Gavin Green, but I may put him in. But uh, Ryan, I'll let you summarize your picks for us. Yeah, uh, perfect. So I am also on uh, with you, Morrison uh, and Pepperell. Yep. And then I have uh, 40 to 1 on Shinkwin. I have Law at 65. I got Waring at 80, Van Driel at 100, and Connor Seam at 100. Yeah, and I think it's one of those ones where like definitely want to shop numbers and definitely want to just keep an eye on things because um they're just all over the place like it's, it's an interesting one that people just don't quite know how to handicap this field i don't think uh, mm-hmm. we seem to see a bit of a better a bit of it over in the uk but 
you know, it's, it's good that you can get a bit of an edge on some prices over there on some guys that maybe don't stand out week to week until uh, until these shows come out and we're betting them. So, um, Ryan, thank you as ever for joining us in, uh, you know, replacement for Sky. Um, I know he very much appreciates it and I do too. So uh, thank you for coming on and look forward to next time again. I appreciate it. And uh, let's have a better Sunday. Let's do it. I hope so. Can't get much worse. I know.